0: welcome to the artist Academy podcast a place where we focus on the business side of art to help you attract more customers increase profits and ultimately live a life of creativity and financial freedom I'm your host Andre Earhart and this is May mural month <laughs> murals are the most profitable part of my art business and the way I'm able to make six figures while painting maybe three-fourths of the year <laughs> so I love to take time away to travel relax you know just live my life <laughs> and work on side projects projects like the book I just wrote called Mural Money. It all works together just to do all the things, you know, all the fun, creative things besides just work every day. And getting paid the big bucks through painting murals is what allows me to do all of this other stuff. And this month, I'll be interviewing muralists exclusively to talk about how they built their business and dissecting their strategies to give you the knowledge to do the same. Plus, I have this extra special training video for you to completely lay out the benefits and strategies to getting your own mural business up and running. You can check that out at artistacademy.co. Slash mural master, or the link is right here in the notes section. You can just click that, or it's artistacademy.co slash mural master. Okay, so let's get to today's extra special. <laughs> I feel like they're all extra special, but I really feel like talking to muralists is one of my favorite things to do. So I actually was having a bad day before I sat down to interview Randall today, and you'd never know because I instantly fed off of his energy and turned positive. And I hope this chat today does the same for you. So this week's episode features South Carolina muralist Randall Kane, and we talked about many different things from trying a bunch of different routes to make money as a creative, currently using all the different routes, you know, and all the different networking that you've done in previous creative jobs and while still diversifying and he just has a different perspective on pricing too one that I haven't talked about yet a like a ton but that I think is really important and he also lets us in on a story of what it's like to paint with snakes. So I'm just going to let him explain all of this to you, but I really, really enjoyed this and I hope you feed off of his energy too. And I really hope to meet him one day. Maybe he'll come to a a future mural meetup or something. You know, I'm just going to put it out there. But anyway, let me know what you think of this week's episode with Randall Kane. Hello, so today I have Randall here and I'm nice. so excited to talk to a experienced muralist and you you do a bunch of different things. So can you start us off by telling a little about who you are and how you got into the arts and where you are now? So like F your whole life into like 10 All right. minutes. <laughs> okay.
1: All right. So uh, I'm Randall. Hi, everybody. I am um, a professional mural artist and it took a long time to be able to say that and believe it so you'll get there I started really really late I um, didn't even take myself at all seriously as an artist until about 30 so had I started earlier I can only imagine but uh, yeah so I started late I waited tables for 20 years all through the 80s I played and partied and that was my life and I wouldn't give it up for anything now but had I started earlier you know Uh, Anyway, so I wound up in Southern California for a uh, relationship that went bad when I got out there, moved out to North Carolina with another, and that one went well. So I've been in Charlotte, North Carolina for about 25 years now, maybe 26. And as soon as I moved to Charlotte, I decided I'm reinventing myself. I'm going to be someone totally different. I started going by Randall instead of Randy, which everybody knew me from back home, and uh, still waiting tables. But I started in the whole making money off of my creative talent by kind of using where I was at at the time. So I started doing faux finishes in the restaurants that I worked in. That led to full-on murals in the private dining rooms. That led to the customers in the restaurants at these high-end restaurants asking, can you do this for me? And then I started taking myself a little more seriously. I started you know, printing cards and throwing them out to every customer who asked anything. And that kind of led me to one thing after another. And so I don't feel like I chose this path. I just felt like I've always been one of those people who can do whatever. I can achieve whatever I wanted to one way or another. It might take me a while to, you know, self-learn. But so murals was something that paid well and I could do it. And then once I did it once, it was fun to do it again and again and again. So and then half the year, Christmas time, I do um, Christmas decorating for high-end homes and businesses. And it's like this influx of cash and a totally different type of creative output from October till January.
0: Yeah. Okay. So you, I love that you do a bunch of different things and you kind of pivot based on the season. Like for instance, I can definitely relate to that because I do a lot of window painting around the Christmas season and yeah. like without window painting, I just wouldn't be quite as busy. So it's like a pivot there. What's one of your favorite things to do? Because I was looking over your website and you have like murals for just for kids and you have all of the, yeah. this other stuff that you do. What's, what's like a favorite thing? If I were to call you and be like, Randall, I want you to paint this for me today. You'd be like, yes. What is it?
1: Oh, it would definitely be realistic, although I'm getting so many calls for abstract and you know crazy. But personally, if I could, the most excited and motivated I could possibly be to paint something was if someone said, I want this old Dutch masterpiece like on my living room wall, you know, huge. So that way I'd be able to re- and to take my time with it, you know, because sometimes you're under time constraints and you have to think, well, I can make, I can paint, I really feel I can paint anything. I have no basis for that. I have no, almost no training. I went to college a few different places, never finished either of them. Learned so little that it was like I'm wasting my time in this class, you know. Although the thing that I did learn, I will say, you need to know your materials. You need to know what you can do with the brush and how to make those bristles work for you. And you can learn stuff like that in school, but you can learn stuff like that shadowing
0: too. So, so true. Yeah. So true. How are you pricing your stuff? So you do all these other different things. Do you do it by like a base rate that you want to get or are all the different things that you do priced differently? We we love to talk about money here at the artist Academy. So.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I love that. You know, I have to say before I get into that, just listening to your podcast and listening to your audio book and stuff, really honestly, it like reminds me that this is a business and I'm not just playing around. I'm not just, you know, it's not just me out there. Other people are doing it too, you know? So really, thank you so much for the resource. But when it comes to money, it's it's so based on where you are, what they'll pay, you know what I mean? So it's kind of market-based. So, so many people ask me and you, and you too, I'm sure it's like one of the top couple questions, like how did you get into it? And how much do you charge? I'm never going to give anybody like an on the spot. I'm not one of those $35 a square foot. I'm not hundred dollars an hour. Or I'm not so much a day. To me, it's about what that market will allow. And that may not be ethical. I don't know. I don't know. You know, I'm making it up as I go along. I'm faking it you know, until it works. So let's say like today, I just finished a Black Lives Matter mural for an elementary school. Well, they contacted me because I had done another school in the same county Because I went through all of that red tape to do that first one, you know, county schools, especially in a big city, you know, Charlotte, I guess, big city. But it took me like a month just to get what they call a preferred vendor status, which is a great thing for anybody, no matter where they are, I would assume. Because I also have preferred vendor status at big companies here in Charlotte, and they are like... um, So they're the ones who will contact me now and say, we need a mural. This company wants a mural. You're already preferred vendor list. You're already vetted, basically. So jobs like that, I kind of price differently because I know, like, say I'm painting something for Coca-Cola here in Charlotte. I know they've got the money. You know, it's not like, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Smith down the street who wants something in, you know, little Anna's bedroom or something. So I would charge differently, you know, just because, quite frankly, between, you know, us mural artists, because I can, you know, and then there's sometimes where like, you know, it's a community project where I know they don't have a lot of money. And, you know, I just did this 10,000 square foot Latino community center and it's phase one out of three, it'll be 30,000 square feet. It's crazy. But the first one, they did a whole fund drive for it and everything. And so we had all these meetings about what will you charge? And I said, it kind of depends on what you can come up with. I know you won't be able to come up with what I should charge. But in this instance, you guys do so much good for the community. And quite frankly, I got interviewed on TV and all this media stuff. So there's some truth to the you'll get exposure, future jobs. But anyway, back to the point. Pricing is all depends for me on who I'm talking to and how much time it's going to take. So I'd like to say I can make at least 500 dollars a day. I don't usually paint more than six hours a day. I'm old now, so I'm in my 50s. So I'm like you, I'm not a morning person. So I never start before 10 a.m. Like you say in your book, this is the best part about this job. You make it up, you know, it's you're doing it yourself. No one's gonna tell you. I mean, you know, I'm an artist. I stay up all night. They don't care. They expect you to be, you know, crazy. So I usually work 10 to six. Sometimes I'll have lunch before I go in so I don't stop at all. Sometimes I'll even stop during that six hours. So it kind of depends. I mean, I'd like to say I make $500 a day. Sometimes I'll go less. Sometimes I make a lot more. Uh, For instance, this Black Lives Matter mural I just finished today, that was a three-day project. It was super simple. I mean, I was there for like four hours a day in the afternoons, you know, after the kids were out of school But I made the same on that project that I did on the previous project where I probably spent 40 hours on that, 60 hours maybe. But that was more of a labor of love. I loved the way it was turning out. So I kind of shrink. It was a grid kind of a design, lots of colors. And I kind of altered the design to be much more intense and much more awesome, you know, as I was doing it and kind of took it further than they asked me to. But I have already gotten three jobs out of that, and I finished it last week. So,
0: yes, I love that you bring all that up because you know, actually, and now that you're saying that, that's something that I haven't really touched on a whole lot here, here in my book or on the podcast. But that's very much reality, as you know. Like, so I, I just did a mural for a school, and they they said their budget was seven hundred dollars, and I was like, okay, whatever, I'll i we do this right. big thing that could have easily been charged double. But then I go into a logo last week, and I made $200 an hour on this logo, because I know I can. (laughs) Like, yeah, so you're so right. It is very much based on who it is. But I mean, I mean, I I try to keep it pretty even keel. But I mean, sometimes you make a lot, sometimes you make a little less.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so that's true. And you know, a lot of people, even on Facebook will say, like, how do I charge? What do I charge? And you know, that's probably the most commonly asked question of anyone. And it's all, if you're asking that question, I kind of don't think you're at the right point to get the answer yet. So people ask that question all the time like, how much should I charge? How much do you charge? All of that. And it's so relative to where you are, who you're working for, your skills. You know, I mean, I've been doing this for 20 years. Of course, I'm going to charge more than, you know, someone who's just starting. So it's a really hard question to answer. But I think if you're asking that question, to someone else. I mean, it's great to ask questions and take in all this feedback, but every single artist is different. Some enjoy it more and will paint for less, you know? Some people are a little more jaded like me after 20 years, and you're like, oh, I can't believe I'm painting this stupid thing that I don't even think is pretty, but it's work, you know? So you don't always get to paint what you want to paint. You don't get to always... I mean, it it does become a job. People need to realize that it is It is work, even though I'm very fortunate to do what I love. It's still work, and you got to treat it like that. You know, you got to show up to work looking like a professional. That's a big thing for me. I know, especially in consultations. I've seen a lot of other artists like come in, like behind me or in front of me, you know, to bid on something, and they come in looking like you know they slept in the gutter or something, you know. And they'll just kind of like I am an artist. I don't care. I can get away with it. I to me image is really important. You need them to believe that you have design style. You know, they need to look at you and say, you're the art professional. You tell me what I want. And then you can get a little closer to painting what you want to paint instead of what they're going to tell you, you know?
0: So true. Oh yeah. I think it's really easy for artists, especially to fall into that you know, whole of like, because when we're at home, like we're just painting in sweatpants. <laughs> and it's always yeah. like, oh, wait, I have to, I have to change and didn't do all that. In my book, I have this part where like, I wore leggings on the first <laughs> day. And then I was just called the leggings girl. And so I tell <laughs> everybody, I'm like, leggings are not the thing to wear. I know that that seems pretty obvious, but... <laughs> It wasn't for me. So
1: I'll make a note of that. I'll make sure It'll... not to wear leggings to work. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, perfect. I don't think
1: I could pull it off. <laughs> oh my
0: God. Okay, so how are you getting customers after so long? Like is it are you getting customers differently now than whenever you first started too? Yeah, for sure. I mean, well, I mean, like I,
1: at the beginning when I was in restaurants, I'd get my customers from the only place I could, like the only social interaction I had with anybody back then was my customers in the restaurant. So that's, you know, the people I would push myself on and say, I'm an artist. I could, you know, do your wedding portrait. Oh, you have a baby. Oh, let me do the portrait. Oh, your dog. Sure. You know, and one thing leads to another. And, you know, everybody always told me at the beginning back then you'll work hard at the beginning and then work will just keep coming back to you and coming back to you once you have this portfolio. And I don't think anyone believes that at the beginning, You know, like maybe in school they taught you that. I don't know where they say that, like, eventually you'll have repeat, you know, customers coming back and you won't have to look at all. It'll always come to you. But now, actually, it's happening. You know, it took like a good 10 years before that happened. But now, like I said, getting on a preferred vendor list at a county school. And think about this, too. The mural I just finished today was a grant. Do you know how many schools have? grants available to them to paint things like Black Lives Matter or Peace, or even if it's just their own school logo, they get so many grants to do this stuff. Unless there someone in their school is proactive to go look for someone, that money will be unused. So it might be great for these beginning artists to start going to the schools and just, here's you know my website or whatever. And But the way that I find work now is usually they come to me now. It's usually through my website. So for me, it's really, I'm not looking so much anymore because of how I set myself up before. Although I did just get my first QR code. So I had that done on an exterior vinyl sticker, basically a three inch sticker. So now part of my exterior contracts with everyone will include, I get to put that on there because that instantly takes someone to your portfolio. And you don't have to worry about them, like, you know, typing in your email address or your, you know, whatever you saw, your website address. So that might be hopefully a good way that I can get some instant business right away too. And they cross-reference, you know, I told you I do Christmas stuff at the Christmas time. You know, I do these big luxury homes that, you know, seven, eight Christmas trees in each house. It's crazy. We have like a, I suddenly have a staff of four or five every Christmas. And then suddenly I'm in this whole, not working by myself, and I'm the boss of a team, and it's really crazy. But those same customers, I wound up painting for a year and a half inside one of their homes. They had this huge kind of a classroom where their kids are homeschooled by tutors. Serious money in this house. It's like 30,000-square-foot house. Crazy. But this room, a year and a half, I painted every inch of the ceiling. It was the entire solar system. One wall was an atlas of the world, one wall was reading, one wall was a safari, one wall was, you know. So that customer, I will tell you, I found through Thumbtack and nobody believes me when I tell them that they all, so many people on Facebook say, what do you think about Thumbtack? And everyone says, oh, they generate false leads or I don't know, and then perhaps they do, but they also generate real leads, which led me to a year and a half. And at that time, again, what the market will allow I went and saw their home and I thought, these people have no price cap, you know. So I wound up through Thumbtack getting this great job that I wound up charging them $3,000 cash a week. I stayed in a hotel that they paid for because it was good two and a half hours away. So uh, Monday through Friday, I painted there, showed up kind of 10 o'clock, left about five and 3000 bucks a week cash. I don't ask questions. So that was great for a year and a half. And then I paused to do my Christmas and then came back to it. And then I did their sister's matching 30,000 square foot house on the same property for another six months and then started doing her Christmas. So it's like it all kind of ties together. And I was listening in your book earlier today while I was painting, you were talking about how. You know, you spreading out and trying all these different creative things, and I don't remember if it was you or you were talking about someone else, whether or not they were thinking, how can I be really good at one thing if I'm so spread out to, like, these 10 different areas of creativity? I kind of feel like I just – I did what felt right, and it fit together. So there was a time when I was at those restaurants, I was doing fresh floral arrangements for six other restaurants, and I thought that was going to be my calling – I was doing these big, huge, like grand floral arrangements and delivering them to these restaurants for their foyers back in the 90s when restaurants did that. And I thought that was going to be my thing. I did a couple weddings and I thought, you know, maybe I'll be a wedding planner. And so I just kind of the whole art thing I kind of felt was always in me. And I've never settled for imperfection kind of so like I used to I started with colored pencil was the first thing I ever experimented with it was the barrel prismacolor oil pencils but I wanted to I would copy masterworks from the Victorian age and those kind of just my favorite what I'm attracted to I know how to control a pencil but I can't control a paintbrush because I hadn't experimented and it wasn't until like 30 probably, that I really started experimenting with brushes and thinking I can do this way easier, way faster with brushes. And then I realized the real money is painting commercially and not trying to get into a gallery because that's a one in a million shot. So that's kind of what led me there. And that's where I'm at, I guess.
0: Oh, wow. I love how the twists and turns and how they all are connected together. I think that's so inspiring because actually we have a couple comments and somebody mentioned. This is really interesting. I can relate. My job took me to different careers too. And I think it's also the networking that comes from that and just yeah. meet all the different people who can then recommend you. And you know what to me is, what's the hardest back then when it was
1: all about like, am I an artist? Yeah, I'm an artist, but do I really believe it? You know, it takes a long and, and maybe again, like you and I have, A lot of similarities, but you've got this education that I didn't have, you know, so I don't know how that plays into it. I agree with you in your book that it's really about the portfolio and like no one's going to hire you saying I went to this school. But at the same time, you learn a lot of things about the business side of it that I will never know until I experiment or I listen to your book or your podcast and stuff. That's why I'm glad this is here.
0: You'd think so though. But like, I actually just had somebody, I was painting that logo last week and somebody came up to me. He's like, Hey, did you go to college for that? And it's really nice to be able to say, yes, I had professional training. Like it looks good. It sounds good. But then I always follow it up with, yeah, college taught me the fundamentals of painting, but I learned a whole lot more on the job. So, So like they taught me some business stuff, but there was no like you need to make a website. You need to do this. There was nothing. But
1: do you feel that because you got your degree in art and you have this piece of paper that says you are an artist, that you, do you instantly have that confidence of now I can tell my friends and my family I'm an artist and believe it?
0: Yeah, yeah. It, it definitely, it looks good, I will say, to say that I have that. And it looks good to the people who are hiring me. They doubt, doubt mean, you a in, bit less. But you yeah.
1: internally, though. I mean, oh, to yeah. me, it's like that... It's and I'm sure a lot of artists out there can can understand this. To say you're an artist to like your friends and stuff is one thing, but to go, you know, even to your family or to, you know, to a job site and say, Yes, I'm a professional artist, it takes a lot of guts, you know. So may, I was wondering if you have that piece of paper saying this person has is an artist because she went to school for it versus me trying to tell someone that I'm serving a steak to you know, with my bow tie, saying, yeah, I'm an artist. It's how do you believe that in yourself? So I was wondering if the degree had anything to do or, you know, just going to school with other people who are going through the same thing. Cause I did it all on my own with no one to like bounce things off of, you know?
0: Yeah, it it definitely did. Although I remember when I graduated, I was like, I have a degree in coloring. What am I going to do with this? <laughs> <laughs> like, and I remember being in classes and thinking how different I was from other people not necessarily in like a better way but just I felt like they were so creative and just like weirdly creative like into anime and just into all these really like they were just like odd but weird and but I loved it like they were very creative people and I was like sorority girl and I'm like I just feel so basic so I just I didn't feel quite like an artist but yeah I know it definitely did help yeah
1: Confidence is a big part of the job. I mean, you know, like that first time when you've got that big first wall, I forget what famous person said that the scariest moment is always right before you start. And I think that's really true from murals. you know, especially when you're new to it. You know, you and I are at the phase now. where like, we know it's going to look good at the end because we're not going to stop until it does, you know, and yeah. we know based on our experience that we can make it work one way or another, no matter what happens, you know, if it rains and everything drips down, we'll fix it tomorrow, you know. But when you're new to it and you're putting that first brushstroke on and you're in that ugly phase or whatever, it takes a lot of friggin guts, especially if you're on display, you know, like you're outside, it's part performance art, part artist and people are going to be talking to you. You've got to either not respond at all or respond and people are judging you as you're working and Or even in a new, I do a lot of restaurants before they open. And so all the construction guys are around, you know, and some of them would be like, hey, great work, man. But some of them, you know, be like, what's that supposed to be? And that can kill your whole day, you know, and your confidence. So it takes a lot of guts to be a mural artist, I think, because there's there's a lot at stake. You know, it's a big piece. A lot of people are going to see it, even if it's in just a house. Then it's even more important to that family
0: Yeah, and it's hard to find a step by step of how to paint the exact same thing that you're wanting to paint too. Oh, of course. You're like you're like I I remember walking up to my first wall and being like, so where do I start? Like, where's the starting (laughs) point here?
1: (laughs) It is so true.
0: It is scary. (laughs) What are your biggest tips for artists who are in the very beginning? Because like you and we 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 both remember you know how crazy it feels. So like, what what are some good tips to get through the first? I'd say a year because I was, telling, we have a lot of artists that come into the academy and they're like, it's, I know, I just try to tell them the first year is so unbelievably hard. I'm totally like, just make yeah. it through this first year and you'll be fine. And like, what are your tips for making it through that first year?
1: Wow. has been a while for me too, but I kind of feel like no matter how long it's been, you go through a lot of the same trials and tribulations you did at the beginning. It's just how you handle them now. I would say, So when you're first getting started and you're nervous and you're thinking it's not, you know, you don't know where to start, put down as much color as you possibly can, cover as much area as you possibly can that first day. Because that first day, if you're like me, you're going to go home that first day and you're going to be like, this is not what I want it to be. But if you've got that background layer, even if it's Sometimes I'll even just take a gray, like if it's like a white wall and I'm doing some kind of multicolored thing and it's just daunting, you know, this huge white wall, I'll take a gray, I'll paint the entire thing. And now I'm past that nervous phase because I've got something on the wall. Now I can take maybe a darker gray or white or whatever, sketch my design on there and then go from there because I know I've got my base, you know. So I'll always, of course, background to foreground. I always do the skies and the mountains and the trees. You know, you work your way forward, forward, forward. But that that first year, I think the hardest part is believing that you can keep doing it after the first year. You know, you almost feel like this is such a struggle. Am I going to be able to do this later? And it's just perseverance. And diversify. You know, just because you like painting trees doesn't mean that's all you can paint you're going to have to paint a logo you're going to have to paint a so i really think you can go out and search for work rather than just kind of hoping it's going to find you so go to your school your local schools go to i mean fire departments anything government it's going to be able to get a grant basically no matter where you live you can find the people who have the money for your type of work so you go to any government office really you could go to you know courthouse you could go to the fire department police department any school they all have chances to have grants on outside inside all over their schools they can get government money so you can find that way you can find work that way easily at the beginning i would hope like i said i'm old now so i don't really know i don't know much about finding work on the internet other than like i said i had Good experiences with Thumbtack. I mean, I paid a lot for leads that didn't go anywhere. Of course, but you only need one a year to work. You yeah. Know? So maybe you're spending ten bucks every lead, and you do one lead a month, and only one pays off. Well, you're gonna make ten thousand dollars in that job. So who cares what you spend on those other ones? So and it's a you know it's kind of you get the rejection a lot through there where you're like you're hoping you're going to get this job and you don't hear back and it's perseverance and it's sticking with it. And it's knowing that you're not going to be happy with another job unless you make this work. You know, that's kind of how I wound up. Once I realized I could make money on murals and start living a a good life, the way I wanted to live, you know, I live differently now than I did when I waited tables. Now we go to Europe, you know, now we no mortgage anymore. You know, that mural money helped do that for me. But I wouldn't have ever believed it at the beginning. I was just passionate about wanting to do something with my creative talent. I didn't care if that was flower arranging. I didn't care if it was cutting hair. I didn't care what it was. You know, I tried everything.
0: Yeah, I totally agree though. Murals, especially commercial murals, it's like where the money's at. Because like, I, yes. I love to do kids rooms. I love Me the too. the fun colors and the freedom. And the, I feel like I'm very childlike too. But I'm like, the money isn't really in kids rooms. Like, it, I mean, sometimes yeah. like if you get like a really, you know, extra big, bigger house and whatnot, yeah. but so yeah, I'm like, okay, I'll do a logo today. Sure. If it means I could, like you said, go to Europe.
1: <laughs> of course. Yeah. I mean, and if you can make the same thing off of that logo, then you could, you know, in one day or two days that you could in a week getting, cause if you're like me, like I'll do some kind of Bambi thing or something for some, you know, NBA players, newly, you know, arrived child. And I will obsess, like I'm not happy unless it looks like a still from the movie, you know, and I know I shouldn't say that, but I obsess over things that I like to paint. So I'll put way more time into it and then I'm not making as much, but boy, I'm happy with my work, you know, and I can be, go home and pat myself on the back and think I knew I could do it.
0: You know? Yeah. It's all fun. You know, really, anything with a paintbrush, I'm like, sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you have any, like, crazy stories of anything that's happened? Maybe, like, either bad or good or drama or... <laughs>
1: well, tons and tons of good stories. You know, the, the best part, I think, about being a mural artist... Yeah. ...is the recognition. I mean, I was listening to your book and you were saying, you know, like, you thought you wanted to be a famous artist. And then you realized, like, I don't want to be famous. That's exactly me, too. However isn't it awesome when you're painting like on a construction site and you know some guys putting tile in over here and some guys you know doing the ceiling or the floors over there no one's walking around saying wow man great work you are so great you know and no one's like making friends with them and buying them lunches you know people will strangers will walk by these same construction guys who get no credit for what they're doing will be like you oh my god and they'll look at you like you're so lucky and So you can't help but feel grateful and you can't help but, you know, get that little bit of famous, you know, and that's all the famous I need, you know, that little, my friends and my, my partner calls them my groupies on Facebook. It's like the same, like, you know, 50, you know, aunts and friends or whatever, who'll be like, you're the best. And I really need that digital support sometimes. But I will tell you the freakiest stories that I have involve snakes. I'm petrified beyond any measure of snakes. The first, I was working inside on this house off of the lake. It's second story, child's room, not yet born, but there's also a toddler who's just crawling. I have drop cloths completely covering the nursery floor. There's no screens on the windows, so you kind of know where I'm going. I am painting, and the owner, I'm on my knees painting. The owner walks in, the husband, and he says, don't turn around, just come out of the room. And I thought, what have I done? You know, like, really? I thought it was turning out good, you know? And of course, I have to turn around and look. There's a copperhead snake coming in through the upstairs window. I don't know how, I mean, tree maybe. And it was going, it was in the process of disappearing under my drop cloth. And I can't even tell you, like I told them, you know, like I'm not coming back until there's screens on the windows and you can prove to me that that's gone. So I leave, I go to lunch, hour and a half later, I get a phone call from them Saying, I can come back. Screens were in the garage, I guess. So they put screens on on the house. I come back and there's this big, bloody mess, red, bloody mess on the front porch, which is nowhere near that bedroom. Apparently, their Polish housekeeper or something picked it up with a rake, flung it out the window, and then went out the front and chopped it up with a shovel in front of the front door. So then I come back and I'm like painting like, you know, like butterflies and happy kittens, you know, and like blue clouds. And the whole time I'm thinking like massacre, snake massacre just happened. And then the second snake story was that big 10,000 square foot community center I just did exterior. And every morning, an eight foot long snake would travel the length of the mural back and forth. And I swear there no one there believed me because by the time that I like got down off my lift and was you know called someone, they'd all come out looking. They're like, oh, you don't have to be scared. It's just a black snake. It's, I don't care. You know, I, I need to be comfortable when I'm painting. I need to be on my knees and not worried about looking around. So those are my horror stories. Are the snake stories? I suppose pertaining to everybody else, horror stories would be like murals that didn't work out halfway through. And oh my God, what am I gonna do? Kind of things I've had logo things where I'm painting a bright red logo on a bright newly fresh painted white wall and it started pouring, and everything drained down, you know, so then it's starting over with the white primer and the white paint, and then you know. It's always
0: red too. It's always red. Yeah. yeah. I remember one of the first big jobs I was on, I was on a lift and then red paint spilled. And so I was going and like red paint was just like following me. And like, it's always just one of those crazy colors.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah. I do have another great story too. This actually was in my own home. Thank God, because if this would have been a client's house, I don't know how I would have handled it. We had just bought our place. The very first time I'm painting it, I decided I'm going to do some mahogany faux trim kind of stuff in our tray ceiling. It was early 90s, so forgive me. But I had a can of mahogany colored paint on top of the ladder. And again, this all comes with experience and practice. And you'll never do this, I'm sure, because you know what's going to happen. I leave the can on top of the ladder and I'm thinking, I can move this whole ladder with that can on top. No problem. You know, I've got balance. Of course, the whole can dumped over, bounced on the new white carpet, splattered up all over the walls. And that was a serious mess to explain to my partner on the first week of our first home. So that was a really scary mess too. But again, it's paint. And as long as you're water-based, you're not going to run into horrible problems. No matter what you do, as long as it's water-based, there's a solution.
0: So true. Oh my gosh. Uh,
1: so have you ever had a, a scaffold fall over or uh, no, malfunction?
0: No, but that's what's well, one of my worst fears because I'm actually very afraid of heights. I mean, I, I get up there anyway, but and nothing's ever bad's ever happened to me. I've like heard stories, so tell me stories.
1: Oh <laughs> my gosh. I have one where I was doing an underpass and it was kind of like both sides of uh, an underpass where the train goes over the top and drive through. And I was doing these enormous daisies, so it was like they called it daisy lane which coincidentally is about to get destroyed and rebuilt and the community put out a petition to have me come back and repaint it when it's rebuilt so
0: job security <laughs>
1: so again job security yeah and you know work comes back to you even if it's painting the exact same thing over what you painted last time but anyway this was so it needed to be rebuilt even then honestly it was a sidewalk that i had on one side where I had this two-story scaffold. So it's like maybe, I don't know, I'm probably, I don't know, six feet, six feet. I'm probably, you know, 12 feet standing in the air. And not all the brakes were on. Use the brakes on the scaffold. People don't think you don't have to. Even if you're on a flat surface, you start brushing on the wall, your whole scaffold's gonna roll and that perfect straight line you're trying to do is ruined. So use the brakes. That's one thing I will tell everybody. But anyway, I didn't have them all on. I think I had like three out of four, I swear but the whole thing started rolling towards the curb. Now there's two lanes of traffic going both ways and I've got one lane coned off, you know, so people won't come too close. But once that scaffold wheel hits the curb, the whole thing's going over and dumping me into the traffic. Luckily, it was one of the very few times that I had someone shadowing me and working with me and I screamed at him and he came running over and caught just as the one wheel has going off the curb I mean, it couldn't have been more close because the chapel was so tall. I would have cleared the cones and the area that I had roped off and I went when it went into oncoming traffic. It was crazy.
0: Oh my God. Yeah.
1: So that was all for not putting on one out of the four brakes and not realizing, you know, you get so involved in what you're doing. You don't realizing that you're moving a little bit, you know, until it's too late. So that was another horror story for sure. And I got stuck on a lift about 30 feet in the air that was, had died had no more power. And I didn't know how to get down because, you know, they don't really teach you how to use a lift. They just drop it off and here you go. And you follow <laughs> the instructions. You hope you find the book, you know, while you're stuck. Um, and I actually had to climb down the whole thing like monkey style to get down because there was nobody. It was, I would stayed so late. There's nobody else working on the construction site that day, because I think there's a thing on the bottom you can, you know, and it, it brings it down that I, Again, make it up as you go along. I really—I tell people, oh yeah, I've used lifts all the time before I had used it the first time. I used a lot of mistruths at the beginning of my career. You know, I—I I tell them that I can paint absolutely anything, which I believed, but I had no proof at the beginning. It's all yeah. about that portfolio that you build.
0: Yeah, and there's so much stuff that you're just kind of figuring out as you go too. Like, For there's sure. no, there's no way to know everything like what, going yeah. into it. So. Oh my gosh, that's just
1: crazy. I think beginners need to probably keep that in mind too. Like we're the age now where you can like learn anything on YouTube kind of thing, you know, and it doesn't mean you can like skyrocket to, you know, the success of someone who has a decade under their belts or something, you know, someone who has that much experience. You can't expect to be charging the same or having the same amount of customers calling you looking for work. We all had to look for it at the beginning. You know, there's no golden ratio of if you do this, it will work. It's all a matter of trying this, trying that, trying this, trying that. And something will hit and you'll be like, oh, now I found what works in my area for me.
0: Yeah, so true. I think that's a great reminder. And I think that's a good spot to end this too. Great. Like, Thank you so much for taking the time out of your very busy day, like after you've just painted all day, uh, <laughs> to come and chat with us. We, we really appreciate you.
1: It has been my complete pleasure anyway, that I can give back to, to anyone who is going through what we went through at the beginning. But thank you for really all you're doing for these artists who need answers to these questions, you are providing so much information. If this, something like this would have been available to me 10, 15, 20 years ago, and even today, i all about it. Anything I can learn and take in, and you do it in such a fun and optimistic, cheery way. And oh, I'm, I, I'm listening to every podcast after this. I'm really glad you asked me on. It's been my oh, pleasure. Thank you.
0: Thanks. You just made my day. Yeah, this is why I created this, because... I remember in the beginning being like is anybody else as stressed out as I am? Like this is yeah. hard. Like okay, can anybody give oh, me yeah. tips? Like so now I'm like just take all of my knowledge and yeah, but and also just interviewing people like you who have also been through it. I think it helps to for other artists to hear that we're all very similar in a lot of different ways that we've built our businesses.
1: It's true. I don't really hang out with a lot of other artists. I'm not part of the scene here or anything. So to hear you talking about these things on podcast and on your your audiobook it kind of reminds me that there's a whole world of me's out there, you know, like I'm not, I'm not one of a kind, that there are other people out there who have gone through the same things and are experiencing the same things. And it's nice to to feel like I'm part of a community. So thanks.
0: Yeah, sure thing. Well, if I'm ever in South Carolina, I'm definitely going to hit you out because I would love to meet you one day. i at travel
1: in North Carolina, but right oh, on the border. So okay. I travel. <laughs> if I'm
0: on the coast, I will there see you where you're at. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just going to put it out there that we're going to paint together one day. I would
1: love that. I would love it.
0: And that's a wrap if you're listening to this episode and thinking, fine, I'll give murals a shot. (laughs) Well, then I've made an extra special training just for you to completely lay out the benefits and strategies to getting your own mural business up and running. You can check that out at artistacademy.co slash mural master, artistacademy.co slash mural master, or just click the link. If you're feeling lazy, just click the notes section on this podcast and it'll take you right to it. and You'll register for a training and then all of this information will be brought to you <sighs> and it'll make your day better And it, it really it just helps you to get on a good start to creating murals because i know how intimidating they are you know as randall just said as well and yeah i just i want to help you through it so in the mural master program I help you just figure out how to paint first off, how to, where to start. So you start with like a projection and then you chalk it out, but then which part do you paint first and how do you paint it quickly? That's one thing that I really, really, really focus on in the Artist Academy because time is money. So if you can have, get all these little techniques to paint faster, you can essentially make more and then we can go live our life outside of work. because. You know, we all know we love to be creative. We love our jobs. I love what I do, would not trade it for the world but I don't want to spend every waking moment working and just this past year, I feel like I'm finally living up to that. I'm finally like at a point where I've got the speed down. I've got the videos made. I don't feel like I'm, you know, pulled in all these different directions with the podcast and still doing painting, you know, and just all the things and I actually have time and <laughs> there's been a couple times in the past like couple weeks or months and I've been like, what am I going to do today? Like, what? <laughs> like I had like a Friday. Saturday, Sunday off pretty often nowadays. And I'm like, Friday's good. And then Saturday, I'm like, okay, I've got to go find something to do. And then Sunday, I'm like, okay, I'm bored, which has not happened to me in years because i used to pack like cram my schedule full of mural jobs and just work 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 to make that money and now i'm just at a point where like i'm choosy i put in the work and it's just nice to be able to live life and i know this feeling now especially and that's why i want to give it to you because with a lot of hard work in the beginning, you too can get to this point of making really good money with murals and being able to live your life like you never had ever thought. Like if you would have told me this when I was in high school, I'd be like, are you sure? (laughs) You know? Anyway, okay. I'm rambling, but I hope you enjoyed this episode with Randall. Wasn't he so great, right? Don't you just want to like hang out with him in person? (laughs) Anyway, I am going to do a special episode next week, all about our mural meetups and talk about the recent one we just did in Cozumel and all of the past ones we've done in Iowa and Missouri. And then the ones that are coming up and just kind of let you know the benefits of a mural meetup and working with other artists, hopefully inspire you to go out on a limb and drive halfway across the state or the country and go meet other muralists and work with them. Okay, that'll be next week. And yeah, okay, I hope you have a great rest of your day and a great rest of your week, and I'll see you next week.